Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today our guest is Eric Skeldon. Thanks for being on the show, Eric. Hey, thanks, Whitney. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, happy to have you on the show. I've really enjoyed our conversation just a few minutes before recording. And and I love, you know, your military background. I can relate to that. And just in many ways, I think we can relate. But I'm just anxious to hear how that's shaped your business and shaped your mindset and, and even other things that have gotten you where you're at. So, but a little about Eric, in case you've never heard of him uh, before. He's a former Army Airborne Paratrooper. Uh, thank you for your service. Grateful for all our men and women that are serving to keep us safe. And he made millions in sales in corporate W-2, but left to become a full-time entrepreneur, has an amazing wife and four daughters. Grateful again for your time. Thanks for being on the show. I love how you put that in your bio, amazing wife uh, and four daughters. I love that. So, but give us a little more about your background. I'd love to dive into, you know, just your, your mindset and especially coming from military and, you know, leaving uh, the corporate W2 where it sounds like you were very successful, you know, and jumping into uh, being an entrepreneur. Yeah, I appreciate it, Whitney. And uh, first, thanks for having me. I'm super excited. So yeah, you know, I've kind of had the entrepreneur spirit, you know, growing up, you know, I saw kind of just my dad working uh, corporate finance. He came here from South Africa, got a, he was a number one tennis player in South Africa in the eighties and went to Auburn, but he was working in corporate finance for 20 years. You never really like made it up the corporate ladder, just stayed around the 60 to 70,000. So I mean, very frugal, but I was like, I knew that this wasn't a, a lifestyle that I really enjoyed, you know, and he had an MBA and CPA, all these certifications and corporate. So, but everyone told me, or he even told me when I went to school or after I, I went to the military or Texas Army National Guard, became a paratrooper to the only, you know, paratrooper unit down in Austin. And after that, you know, I wanted to do like radio, television, the film, or do like, you know, broadcasting and filmmaking and become a like documentary shoot documentaries in Africa and expose like all this stuff. I don't know. I had all these like visions, but he was like, you got to make money. He's like, go get a business degree. So I was like, oh, that's practical. I'll get a business degree. You know, once I went back, the army paid for it. And by that time I already had almost two years of schooling done. So I just had a couple years left, went and did that, finished up, you know, business degree. And I thought like the schools were like, you're going to go land a job. You're going to be able to do this. And that once you have these degrees and all this knowledge and, you know, even we had even some good courses where we got to work with Target on helping their supply chain handle throughput and fix problems in their business. So I was like, man, we have, but I didn't get an offer for about a year for like a, a good job. And then finally, after a year, I got a sales job in software sales, selling to the trucking industry. That was when I first, and before that happened, I said, I told myself, I said, whatever company hires me first for sales, you know, I'm going to do millions in sales for them. And I just kept, you know, saying like, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a million dollar salesperson just because I knew I believed in my ability. But growing up in school, I really struggled. I was a BNC student, struggled with dyslexia, struggled with just teachers calling me stupid and dumb. So I just, you know, I was like, oh, I'm ADHD. So I just became a class clown. So even getting up to the point of going to college and stuff was a 
kind of an uphill battle and of just having to be like, okay, you know, God is for me and having some good mentors around me and good leaders that started speaking something different and shifting from friends who were just, just partying and smoking weed and all that stuff. So ended up, yeah, once I got that job, ended up doing well there and then going to an account management job in supply chain. And that was when I started managing accounts and got a full-time assistant and, and was doing millions and uh, sales and shipping invoices and managing freight across the country. And then basically my fourth daughter was born and three months prior, I set up an LLC to start flipping houses and do wholesaling. I just, I felt like that's, you know, after I was earning good income, I was like, I need to set up something just so I can start, you know, figuring out how to build this 10 to 20,000 business on my, with my own LLC, my own business on the side and then hired some virtual assistants. And then like three, four months later, my daughter was born, my fourth daughter and the rest of them were still at home with my wife. And my wife was dealing with postpartum depression after the pregnancy and I, she just really was needing help, needed me to be there. So I tried to work out a remote position, kind of like the, you know, Tim Ferriss four hour work week, try to work out a remote position. But unfortunately the, it ended up just happening where, yeah, basically they were thinking I was going to trying to go to another company and try to take all my clients to another firm. And just basically just when I went on FMLA, pretty much got everything stripped from me, everything taken from me from that business, which kind of solidified my belief in entrepreneurship and corporate, you know, not just working for one company that you're, you know, your whole life. And that's kind of been my message is just like trying to shift, shift mindsets from, oh, you have to just do 60, 80 hours working for a company and to be successful, you have to just, you know, and really I subscribe to more that there's, I believe we're going to come into a time where, you know, you can put 20 hours of great work towards an idea or a business or something without all the, you know, just checking emails, checking text messages, surfing the web, you know, really being on Netflix or doing all these other things. And if you put 20 hours, kind of like the 80-20 principle that you're actually putting 20% is actually being the 80% of the outputs. And so really, um, my main message is to, you know, inspire people to spend more time with their wives, spend more time with their kids, and figure out a system and scaling and solutions so they can actually do that. And still, you can still earn 10,000 a month doing something while still spending time with your family and having a good marriage that, you know, you don't just climb up the corporate ladder and end up getting a divorce, but you have a Ferrari or something. I couldn't agree with you more. I, I'm on track for that myself. I, I I love thinking about how I can spend more time with family, and and I've missed a lot of time with family. You know, trying to be an entrepreneur, pursuing a business, and and growing, and 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 finally, you know, we decided or made some hard decisions so we can shift and have more time at home. You know, because we know that's more important than you know having. A Ferrari, like you said. So, Eric, yeah. So tell me a little about, though, how did the military prepare you for some of these hard things you had to endure? Yeah, I think the military really, it really helps you see that it's not, it's not just about yourself and it's not just about, it's a team aspect. You know, you're doing everything for the, you know, the people next to you, your battle buddy, the people in the field with you. And basically, it's like a self-sacrifice and just doing things that you don't want to do. And it's still having a positive attitude and still pushing forward and, and then just having the reward of just knowing that you went through that together with people. So it's just like a, it's like a, you know, as long as you don't give up and you keep pushing forward, you're always going to win. And so that's kind of a mindset I've definitely taken towards 
yeah, any company I've worked towards or any business I've, or endeavor I've done. Yeah, I feel like the military really helped me to have that never give up mentality and just help me, you know, have that that mindset where I can keep pushing. And, you know, but you don't have to be in the military to have that, right? Or, or to gain something like that. You know, what do you say to people that, you know, they're striving to be an entrepreneur, but they, they don't have that military background? However, you know, they are still hard charging. They're still very driven. You know, how do they focus? How do they do that like you've done? I would say just set some structure. I mean, even we're here in COVID-19, like set structure of still, you know, trying to set your alarm and, or even just get to the point where you're waking up on your own, you know, uh, still exercise, still shave, shower, not just being in your PJs all day. And then just make goals for yourself, create a vision board of, and ask yourself, what do you really want? Because if you're just going after a ton of things, and I've even learned this more recently, if you're just going after a ton of things, but you never really know why you're going after it, or you never know what you're really going after, it's like, it's hard to get there, you know? So I meet a lot of people who just want to, they say they want to do this, they say they want to do that, but they don't know why, and they don't know what they really want. They're just like, oh, I would like to be rich, but maybe I'm just going to buy a lottery ticket, and one day that's just going to happen. And and so I, I believe that, you know, you are your best lottery ticket and you are good soil and you're the best person you can invest in. I, I agree completely. You're, I love that statement, though. You are your best lottery ticket. It's definitely I'd much rather bet on myself than than put a lot of money in the lottery. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So what about in some other tough times there, you know, you had to make a shift so you could be at home more and then tell me, and I love that sacrifice too. I just think it's so much more important, uh, like you said, uh, to me as well, supporting my family as opposed to going up the corporate ladder. But that's, we get caught up in those things often, right? You know, and it's hard to see that sometimes when you're in the middle of that. But how did you do that? How did you make that decision to say, you know what, you know, this is more important than whatever that corporate position could give us. Like my family's more important and this is what we're going to do. Yeah. And so I feel like the decision that it actually ended up, I made a decision to ask for remote work and stuff, but the, it kind of was, yeah, it was, it was kind of thrown on me because I didn't know that, you know, asking, you know, because I was one of the top 10 salespeople with a full-time assistant. And I had all the proof of when I was working remote, I was still doing, you know, thousands of dollars in sales from my home office that I'm in now. And so I actually, I was trying to do both until the time when I was like, going to, you know, everyone says, Hey, before you leave a W2 job, make sure, you know, your good job, make sure you replaced it. You know, at that time I hadn't yet replaced my income. And so it was kind of just thrown on me or everything was stripped away and then ended up being in a position where it's like, now you, you don't have a choice, but to succeed or you don't have a choice but to win and figure out a way to make it happen. Put all your energy you were into that, building that first, you know, business to the other one. So it's, I can't say that I'm like, you know, I just made a decision to quit and not have the $15,000 a month I was used to having. It really just ended up being, I was kind of forced to where it was like, I asked to take care of my wife and, you know, serve her from home while working from home with a full-time assistant I was paying and then it just, yeah, it just escalated quickly. And then, yeah, so I was kind of forced into that grit mode of having to make it happen. And so, you know, if I could, I don't encourage people just to, you know, hey, if you're making six figures, just dump it all into your first, you know, idea and just see how it goes. Because as we know, 90% of businesses fail and not to be like, you shouldn't have the mindset of, oh, I'm going to be one of the 90%. 
But at the same time, it's good to test. If you have funding of whatever you're doing, it's good to test on the side. Say you're going to do, you want to set up a wholesaling or you want to have buy and hold, you know, just, I mean, as we're seeing right now, I mean, with oil, like if you're going to invest, if you're going to set up an oil company a year ago, it might not have been the best time because it all, you know, now oil's oil's down like 90% or I don't know. So what were some of the first things that you did when you knew you didn't have a choice but to be an entrepreneur? So honestly, for the first week, I was kind of just in a mode of like depression and like, what the heck, what do I do? And so I was kind of, you know, a little bit depressed for like a, for a week. And then I was like, what, like, it doesn't matter what happens to you. It matters how you respond to it. I got it. And then I just started calling at the time I had a buyer's list here in Kansas, started calling them, uh, started seeing, Hey, how can I serve you? What kind of deals are you um, looking at here in Kansas? What kind of, are you looking at multifamily? Are you looking at single family? Or you want buy and hold? Do you want just something you can flip or do you want something you can? And I just found, found their criteria. What are the investors that have cash in their, in their bank? What are they looking for here and how can I best serve them? I started taking the same thing I did for my clients, you know, big corporation clients like Walmart and stuff, shipping logistics people into, so I just use the same skills into my day-to-day operation and started serving those clients and saying, and then I just started finding them deals. Hey, this is what you want. I'll be your number one guy. I'm going to find you those exact deals. And obviously you don't mind paying me 10% because I'm going out there and doing the work for you. You were very proactive. Yeah. So, I mean, there's people all over that are, there's companies that will pay you. If you learn how to do Facebook ads and Instagram ads, there's companies that will pay you to do that for them. There's, if you have people who want to find multifamily deals, there's tons of people who want good deals out there and they'll pay you to find those deals. And they'll pay now, you know, I've only done it for less than a year. And now I have people learning really interested in syndication and having, you know, basically private money. And so now, you know, I have an investor in California who's bought a couple of deals for me. And now he's like, Hey, I'm starting to get now just from connecting and meeting people, it's starting to get a lot of multifamily deals apartment complexes, different stuff or different whole bunch of houses at once or package deals, house deals. And so they're like, Hey, if you, you know, I have, we can get a syndication going. People that are doing stuff at a way higher level, you can start meeting them pretty quickly just because you're serving them and helping them and finding them deals. And then now if we find a good deal, he's like, Hey, I can syndicate this with you. We could do this together. And so it's, that's why I really like the real estate industry and people are really, I mean, if you just serve and you go out there and try to help people, people are really pretty transparent and pretty willing to help, especially if you're just, you're just, yeah, always trying to see how you can help them. People are willing to do it back. Yeah. I love how you said too, it doesn't matter what happens. It it just matters how you respond to it. I think that's a great mindset to have. You know, is there any, any other resources or books that you recommend just for mindset alone and being able to push into in through things like that, that are difficult. Yeah. Extreme ownership was big, huge mm-hmm. for me. Jocko Willink. I don't know if I, I watched his Instagram 430 in the morning post. I haven't done his 430 workouts, but at the same time, just taking extreme ownership of like, he had a story of, of when he's supposed to be this big commander's Navy SEAL commander, but then in battle, he had, they had his team and his, under his leadership had friendly fire and they're shooting again. And people would be like, how would the most experienced leader and Navy SEAL leader, their teams be shooting at each other in the, in the midst of chaos and fire in Iraq or Afghanistan? I forget where it was, but, and so, yeah, I mean, I, but at the end of it, you know, everyone tried to take, 
you say, oh, it's this people's fault, this people's fault. And he just, you know, it was like, hey, look, this is, I was the commander, I was the senior commander, this fault's on me. And he took, you know, and he could have got a lot of repercussion, but he ended up, you know, just growing from that and not getting into anything with it, you know, but just the idea of just like, it doesn't, I don't know, we, even our millennial generation, we have a generation where we want to blame climate change, we want to blame the president or blame whoever. And it's like, look, like we have control of what we do. And if you want to make change, like you can go run for office or you can go start a business. And once you do those things, you actually see how tough it is. You know, if you're getting taxed, you know, 50%, you're going to be like, hey, yeah, we need to make different laws. They're taking half my money and I'm doing all the work. So Eric, what's a way that you recently improved your business that we could apply to ours? Yes. So right now, right now with online, I just recommend, yeah, getting what you see Whitney doing a podcast, learn from how people are doing podcasts, Facebook lives, LinkedIn lives. You see the best content creators pouring out content, Gary Vee, Patrick, but David YouTube channels. I think all these, all these channels of, you know, whether you have, if you have a message, you know, you know, doing an online course, figuring out how to get your message into a course or YouTube or building a group or building a, you know, so that's what I've really been able to pivot is, you know, Facebook groups, starting a podcast um, soon. And so just being able to pivot and um, even e-commerce, e-commerce is good right now. So just figuring out ways to pour some money into other buckets and figure out um, different ways to make money online while people are from home. I mean, and during any crisis, there's a way to still help people to still expand and to still figure out how to persevere while everyone's at home. What's the number one thing that's contributed to your success? I would say just God. Yeah, believing in God, my relationship with the Lord. He's, yeah, just at the forefront. My wife is this, anytime I get to like, you know, focus on anything crazy or ideas, I've learned just to actually ask my wife for her input and actually like value it, you know, even though you could think, oh, I have the degree or I've had the millions in sales or or even anything. It's like value your wife's, if you have a wife, like value their opinion on business because she could have saved me a ton of money and things I've invested in. And so, so that, and then just, yeah, I mean, Proverbs is really good for, for investing and, and then just, uh, yeah, believing in yourself and your trust, your gut and trust what you know, the world will could tell you that Facebook was a bad idea to invest in Starbucks, but you know, you still got to believe in your idea and keep, I mean, the most people I've seen that are successful. And even for me is just, just keep believing in what you do and be confident in what you do. Cause if you're not confident or you don't believe in what you do, you're not going to get clients or you're not going to get, build a team, whoever believe in your vision. So you just got to keep believing in yourself and believe in, yeah, believe in God. Uh, God will he'll favor you and put you in the right places and open up doors that you can never open. I love how you mentioned earlier, God is for you. You know, like God is for me. Even if we're in a hard time, like he's, he's for us. Yeah. I've seen him come through in the craziest ways through this month of just being at home. And it's just cool to see, like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's a plague or pandemic. There's been so much joy and peace uh, just because of knowing who he is and the promises he has for us. Eric, how do you like to give back? I like to give back just, yeah, by helping helping people. We, My wife and I are also working to fight human sex trafficking here in the Kansas area. So just hopefully in the future, we want to set up a nonprofit for that. Right now, just helping some you know local 
people. There's a lot of good people, ex-military SWAT who are helping, you know, bust different pedophile rings and human sex trafficking. So that's something I like giving back. But and then also just uh, blessing people who are have ideas or startups and just being able to bless them into what they're doing. Nice. Well, I appreciate you sharing that, Eric, and, and just your all's desire to give back in that way. Um, how can the listeners get in touch with you and learn more about you? Yes, you can go to kingdompassiveincome.com or Eric Skeldon on Facebook and ericskeldon.com. And yeah, we yeah starting a podcast and hopefully we'll get Whitney on soon about just kingdom entrepreneurs. I feel like it's a time for entrepreneurs to rise up and that a kingdom entrepreneur that seeks first the kingdom basically can change and solve every problem we have on earth, whether it's government, business, social issues. I feel like there's a kingdom solution, redemptive solution that can solve every problem we have in the world. And so I think it's time for those people to rise up and start solving each problem. Don't go yet. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I would love it if you would go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. I want to hear your feedback. It makes a big difference in getting the podcast out there. You can also go to the Real Estate Syndication Show on Facebook so you can connect with me and we can also receive feedback and your questions there that you want me to answer on the show. Subscribe too so you can get the latest episodes. Lastly, I want to keep you updated. So head over to lifebridgecapital.com and sign up for the newsletter. If you're interested in partnering with me, sign up on the contact us page so you can talk to me directly. Have a blessed day and I will talk to you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.